This is Fundraising Radio, and today's a guest speaker we have Todd Thompson, co-founder and CEO at Carno Compression, that raised over $600,000. And this episode, we'll talk about three different types of funding, friends and family, grants, and equity crowdfunding, because Todd raised through all three sources. So at the end of the episode, you will hear the final judgment on the best uh, on the best uh, funding source that Todd thinks work for him best. So listen to the whole episode, please. <laughs> Todd, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Carno compression. Okay. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, be on your podcast. Uh, so uh, my background um, is uh, in finance and uh, business business development and strategy. Uh, I started off working in um, corporate finance consulting in New York uh, back in the 90s and um, eventually made my way into uh, corporate development, um, uh, first for a couple of uh, digital media startups uh, back in 2000, 2001, and uh, then for a a large uh, engineering and construction firm uh, based out of California. Uh, and uh, so during that time, uh, back in the late 2000s, um, I was working on strategic planning and growth markets for the firm and got into uh, evaluating a lot of um, renewable energy and clean technology investments. And uh, in a somewhat roundabout way, that um, led me and my partners to the current uh, company I'm, I'm with, Carno Compression, which we, we founded back in, in 2014. And um, you know, we founded the company uh, to, um, to focus on a relatively unknown, off-the-radar problem, which is the energy used by air and gas compressors, which is you know, totally off the, the radar for most VCs and, and private investors, but it's actually quite a large consumer of, of energy uh, across the, the globe and, and looking at, um, you know, broadly across industrial and, and commercial uses. So, um, you know, we founded the company with that broad mandate with, with a technology that uh, had the potential to drive uh, pretty dramatic savings in energy usage for, for compression. Mm -hmm. We will not get into the technical details of that company because I'm afraid I will not understand it. <laughs> so let's just move on straight to the fundraising point. I feel like this really complicated solution. So when was the point that you decide that, you know, it's time to raise money, it's time to reach out to your first investors, which would be, I imagine, friends and family around. When was that point that you figured that, you know, it's time to get the money? Okay, so for us, it was, it was an evolution. Um, so we started the company with, um, it was myself and three other co-founders, uh, and, and two of us have been, you know, very active in the business since the beginning. The other two have been, um, you know, active board members, but, uh, not active day to day. Um, and when we, uh, formed the company, uh, it was actually a technology that had, um, some early investment through another entity and uh, one major shareholder. So, um, 
you know, the initial formation of the company, it was myself and my three co-founders uh, making an investment uh, into a new company and consolidating everything into a new company. And, uh, you know, we made an investment to um, move the technology along and get to a point where um, it would be suitable for other investment, be that from corporate or uh, friends and family or, uh, or grant funding. So, um, you know, it's really a funding, funding evolution. And, um, you know, we're, we're working in a space where it's, you know, it's industrial hardware. So uh, the development cycles are, are long. And um, you know, so we had to take it from a long-term viewpoint that, um, you know, it wasn't something that, you know, you could just uh, throw a little bit of money at and, you know, develop mm -hmm. an app that you could get, go out and, you know, have you know, demonstrated minimal viable product within a matter of months. You know, we are working on um, year-long development cycles and, you know, that's kind of evidenced by um, the fact that, you know, we're six years in and we've had, um, you know, between uh, equity investment and non-dilutive grant funding, we've had several million dollars of, um, of investment go into developing the technology and getting us to a point where we're ready to go to pilot uh, production and first revenue within the next six months or so. Mm -hmm. Understood. So the first round that you raised was mainly friends and family. Did, did I understand that correct, right? Well, it was. So the first round was the founders. Right, um, right, right. And then we expanded that to friends and family. Mm -hmm. And uh, between founders, friends and family, uh, and, and we raised over time, uh, but we raised, you know, a little bit north of $600,000. Uh, but what was critical for us is we were able to leverage uh, the founders, friends and family uh, round into uh, much larger funding sources, um, starting off with uh, an SBIR grant from the, the National Science Foundation SBIR stands for Small Business Innovation Research. Um, that's uh, a really good program that I, I would encourage uh, founders that are um, in technical spaces um, that would fit within the NSF's mandate to take a look at. Um, so um, we raised uh, $150,000 uh, with a phase one grant. And then we were able to proceed to phase two, which was $750,000. Uh, and then during the phase two program, we were able to get uh, an additional supplemental grant. So uh, we were able to raise over a million dollars from the NSF and all of that was, was non-dilutive. So we didn't have to give up any equity in the company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, success begets success. We were able to leverage our success with the NSF and um, obtain a grant with the California Energy Commission through um, what's called their EPIC program, which um, funds early stage R&D in technologies that have the potential to benefit ratepayers in California. 
And since um, our technology has the potential to reduce energy consumption, it was a really good fit for, for their program. So uh, that grant was, was 2.6 million. And, oh, whoa. Um, yeah, and um, you know, we worked with uh, a project partner and, and you know, we're in the final stages of that grant, but we, our, our project partner there um, is, a, is a company or an institution called Gas Technology Institute. And um, they've been very helpful um, with the project in terms of you know, navigating through the project management and, and administration and, uh, and testing. And you know, they're critical um, to us in, in the respect of providing third-party testing on our technology, which is the phase that we're in today. So I so, think when I said that you raised over $600,000, I was a little bit off the the right number right yeah that was one of the buckets that was the first Darn it. <laughs> yeah no worries no worries all right uh, that happens but let's talk <clears throat> sorry let's talk about grants more so i know uh let's talk about the very first grant that you've received that hundred fifty thousand dollars how much did it cost you to hire a grant writer or to find that grant or how much until do you spend basically to receive that hundred fifty thousand dollars or did you do everything literally yourself Okay, so so that one was entirely swept. Um, we didn't hire uh, anyone from the outside to write the grant. Um, uh, the phase one application was about 15 pages, and um, you know, between myself and uh, a couple of my partners, we wrote the grant application ourselves. Um, now the NSF they have a program where. Uh, you do a, a very brief pitch, um, and um, based on your pitch, they encourage you to apply or not, and then you would move into, into the process. So um, phase one was relatively straightforward, although you know, we, the NSF has, has a diligence process, so you know, we, we submitted the application it was a couple of months before before we heard back. We got uh, a few different rounds of, of questions that we had to respond to, and then we eventually got the grant. So, um, one thing I will say about grants is they um, they're great. They've they've been instrumental to um, our company and and moving our company. Down the the path to commercialization, uh, but uh, they are a lot of work to, um, mm -hmm. to go after, and um, you know they um, are a decent amount of work from an administration side. So you know you have to have your books in order from an accounting perspective. Uh, you have to keep good records. Um, you have to have um, a research plan, and you have to execute on the plan. So. Um, it does add a, a level of discipline, which uh, is is good for the company um, to um, you know keep the company focused and and um, moving towards um, the ultimate end goal. So, um, not saying that they are uh, necessarily right for everyone, but um, you know companies that are uh, developing technologies within broad mandate of the NSF, and that could be industrial technologies, that could be educational technologies, uh, healthcare, life sciences, 
um, there's a lot of programs that um, are very supportive of companies that are, are solving technical challenges in those areas. Mm -hmm. Right, 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 right. You're completely right here. And we'll get back to the grants a little bit later on. First, I would love to talk a little bit more about equity crowdfunding. So you raised some money on the Start Engine. How how was that? And Start Engine, by the way, for those who do not know, it's a pretty big uh, equity crowdfunding platform based in Los Angeles, I think. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so we're really um, just getting started with um, with the process with Start Engine. We, we launched our raise uh, about a month ago. And uh, what drove us to Start Engine was, you know, we were transitioning uh, from grants and we've got, um, and we're, we're in the test phase with uh, pre-commercial product. And uh, we needed really to bridge the gap between testing and data validation and um, give ourselves enough runway to commercialize the product. Um, so, you know, we were out, we, we were talking to different angels. We've, we've talked to um, corporate uh, investors over the years. Um, and we were fairly far down a, a couple of different paths back at, at the beginning of the year. And uh, then COVID-19 hit and uh, everything just kind of came to a grinding stop. Um, so, you know, during this process, we were looking at, at Start Engine and, um, you know, researching not only Start Engine, but equity crowdfunding in general. And we saw this as, uh, as a good solution to, um, fund the company during um, the unknowns of, of COVID-19. And, you know, we, we found it as a way to go out and, and get the message out and um, broaden our uh, investor base and um, stakeholder base um, without having to, um, you know, or let me rephrase that, while we were under various restrictions such as shelter in place in California, for example. So we had we had gone from kind of a, a fundraising and partnership model of, you know, meeting face to face and um, demonstrating a prototype to now having to do everything virtually because no one was able to travel and go anywhere. And we weren't mm -hmm. we weren't sure, you know, how long that was was going to be in place. So, um, you know, what we found is we had some pretty good creative assets. We had a, a demonstration video of, of the technology, uh, and um, you know, we had some some pretty good pitch decks, and we were able to uh, pretty quickly translate uh, all of our marketing material um, onto the Start Engine platform and and get a raised launched while. Um, you know, we were in this period of kind of high uncertainty and where things seem to be frozen in place uh, there for, mm -hmm. for several weeks. And, you know, now it's up and down as we see week by week here. But, um, you know, as we got into the start engine raise, you know, we're, we're seeing some, some good early success. You know, we're, we're still 
um, dialing in, um, you know, how we best market the, the raise. Um, one thing I would say to, to other founders out there is it's certainly not something that you just go and you, know, you put up a web page on a, on a funding platform and expect the money to come in. Right, right, right. Yeah, Speaking yeah. of that, by the way, I just Googled the Star Engine campaign and I just realized that the campaign is still active. You have it is. 40, 41 days left, I think. That's what it says. And I will definitely leave a link to that campaign in the description of this episode. So if anyone's interested in learning more about the company or potential investing, you should definitely go and check it out. But one question that I get asked a lot in terms of uh, equity crowdfunding is the cost of equity crowdfunding. I get the same question about general crowdfunding, like Kickstarter. How much does it cost to raise money there? So how much uh, money should a founder have on their bank account to, to be able to raise, let's say, 100000 I mean, $150,000 on, let's say, Start Engine? What's your like approximation of that number? Okay, well, um, what we found, um, you know, to be a, a benefit of the Start Engine platform uh, was that uh, the upfront costs were were relatively minor, and so we are, are raising under Reg CF, so we can raise up to a million and, and seventy thousand dollars. So uh, for us, the biggest upfront cost was the financial statement review. And, um, and that's where you have a, a third party a CPA firm come in and um, review the books. It's not a full audit, but it is a review of the financials to make sure that um, the financial statements are in accordance with GAAP. Um, you know, that was, you know, those tend to be in the neighborhood of, of three to five or six thousand dollars, those reviews. So that was the biggest upfront cost. Um, we also had some legal costs to convert from um, a limited liability company to a C corporation. So, you know, that's another um, point that I want to throw out there is um, for the first five plus years of our existence, we were a limited liability company and treated as a partnership for mm -hmm. tax purposes. And uh, we found pretty quickly that that structure was not conducive to to crowdfunding because we were going from you know 15 to 20 uh, some odd investors in our cap table to you know right now we've added over 150 new investors and that number grows every day. Uh, so to have that many people um, sign partnership documents and um, we would have uh, what's called a, a statement K1 that would have to go out to all of those partners right. uh, based on the tax code. It was um, just not a conducive structure to crowdfunding. So, mm -hmm. so we also had had to make the investment to convert to um, a Delaware C corporation, which is is fairly straightforward. But that was. Um, a few thousand dollars of added legal cost, along with uh, just uh, making sure that um, everything was in order from a legal perspective to uh, to move forward with the raise. Um, 
then mm -hmm. uh, the good thing about Start Engine is is they defer all of their fees to um, after after the raise is, is launched. So uh, they've got a fixed fee and a, a variable fee uh, based on how much you raise. Uh, but the the fixed fee component, they allow the the startup to pay it out of the funds that they raise on the platform. So. Um, Oh, that's that, nice. Yeah, it's very nice, and and it really reduces the, a major hurdle to uh, to the startup. Um, mm -hmm. because, you know, you're you're out looking to raise money, and if if you have to write uh, really large checks in advance of the raise, then it's kind of it makes it a lot more difficult. So, right. Um, right. So you know, I would say depending on. What kind of shape your financial statements are in, what your legal structure is, um, how how your creative assets are, uh, you, know, you can launch on a platform like Start Engine for um, roughly ten thousand dollars, maybe a little bit less, uh, if you have right. to go out and um, do a lot of work to get your financials up to you know up to speed, and if you have to go out and create a, a new video, uh, you have to go out and, and create um, a lot of creative assets, it could be quite a bit more. Uh, right, but, right, that's um, true. So it, it, it varies. I mean, the, the, the creative assets that we had developed over time were uh, a multiple of, of the $10,000 number that I, that I threw out there, so. Um, Oh, well, that's a lot. So let's, by the way, if anyone's interested to dive deeper a little bit into the equity crowdfunding, I have an interview with the CEO of Republic, another large equity crowdfunding uh, platform in the United States. So take a look at that. But let's move on to the mistakes that you think you made during that campaign so far. So if you could go back to the very beginning of this equity crowdfunding campaign, what would you do differently? Would you maybe put more money into marketing or would you maybe create a new uh, video that's presenting your company or something like that? What would you change basically? Okay, so I would say the biggest single thing that, that I would have changed is um, expanding our, our presence on, on social media in advance of the race. So um, our company, we had not been active um, at all, really, on, on social media. We had um, we had a LinkedIn page and we had a website, and and that was pretty much it. And we were really focused <laughs> nice. on, yeah, keep you know, we we were focused on on the technical aspects of the company, keeping our head heads down and developing the technology. Um, what we've um, you know found during the process is that a big driver of investments on uh, certainly on start engine and, and i would imagine it, it's true and actually based on other founders i've talked to i know it's true on, on other platforms but uh paid advertising on social media and, and especially platforms like facebook are, are big drivers of, of site traffic and investment and um you know so we did not have a, a company facebook page until after the launch you know, we had this big scramble to do our conversion and get our campaign page launched and uh, then we went out and now it's like okay well now we have we need to start promoting and, and start doing advertising which we had planned 
uh, in advance, but we were really working from behind to establish that uh, that social media presence. Uh, had we had that presence out there uh, months in advance, uh, it would have been a much much smoother transition. So that would be the kind of the single biggest thing um, that I would say in things of in terms of what would I do differently. Um, it would be to have uh, a broad presence on on social media well in advance of a crowdfunding raise and that um you know don't think just because you're you're not uh, a consumer focused company you know we're, we're b2b we've got an industrial technology uh, that's not in the market yet um doesn't matter you know you still need to have that presence right. on, on social media so that you've got that awareness and that brand awareness out there Right, that's true, and that's actually great advice. Back in the days when I was making a little bit of research on you know, general crowdfunding campaigns like Kickstarter, the major one that they said was Reddit. Basically, any social media that you can use, you should use it and invest heavily in that prior to you know uh, beginning the crowdfunding campaign. So that's great advice, and uh, let's move on. We're moving on to kind of conclusion of the episode, which is the Know, comparison of those three major funding sources that you used. You used friends and family, you used, <clears throat> sorry, including uh, the founders investing in the company, then you used grants, and now you're trying equally crowdfunding. So off top of your head, which one do you think you like the most? Okay. Well, they, they all have their uh, advantages and, and disadvantages. Definitely. Um, you know, um, certainly being able to get... Um, you know, several million dollars of, of non-dilutive funding has been fantastic. Oh, and, yes. you know, um, it, it's, you know, we've been very fortunate to um, solve the hard technical challenges uh, with our technology with non-dilutive money. Uh, so that's that's been fantastic for us, uh, but it also came with uh, the cost of a lot of hard work uh, in terms of uh, writing the grants uh, and managing the grants. So um, kind of that old saying they teach you in Economics 101 in, in college, uh, you know, there is no such thing as a free lunch. Um, right. It's, it's non-diluted funding, but uh, but there's a big cost. Uh, so um, everyone should be aware of that. Um, you know, but, you know, I would say that's probably my favorite because we would have never been able to to get to the point where where we are um, with the the level of, of ownership and control that um, my co myself and my co-founders still have uh, without without those non-dilutive funding sources. Uh, but uh, having said that, I think uh, a founder should really look at a holistic and, and comprehensive fundraising strategy, and uh, there is no uh, one right way. It really depends on the company, uh, the stage of the company, and, and a lot of other factors. And, you know, I think founders need to really, um, you know, A, uh, obviously be committed to commit their own sweat equity and any personal resources that they have. And B, uh, you know, personal resources of, of co-founders and friends and family, I would say, uh, are a must because you know that's more likely than not going to be the 
the very first sources of equity finance. But beyond that, just be aware of all of the different ways to fund your startup and be flexible in terms of having a portfolio of funding sources that, that fits the business and fits the stage of the business. And, um, you know, Sir Carno Compression, we've, we've evolved from founders, friends and family to grant funding. We're now doing equity crowdfunding. What's next? We're, we're continuing to look at a lot of different um, funding options. There are different types of grants that we um, intend to apply for that are suitable for uh, the stage that we're at now versus the stage we were at uh, two or three years ago. Uh, as we get, uh, as we transition from pre-revenue to product revenue, uh, other opportunities uh, to fund the company um, will become available. And, you know, that could be Partnerships within industry, for example, that um, can help fund our, our entry into market. So uh, there's lots of different ways to go about getting a business funded. And um, founders should be aware of all of those different options and should um, you know, really position themselves to have flexibility in, in, in their funding, mm -hmm. funding right. strategy would be my advice. Right. That's actually, that's very decent advice. There are so many options. You can get so damn creative. You can't even imagine that. So thanks for that. And by the way, speaking of economics 101, I have an episode on grants and, you know, receiving a grant funding called grants 101. So take a look at that. Uh, that can be useful for anyone who wants to get funding through grants. And we are coming up to the last question of today's episode, which is a call to action. What's that one thing that you think a listener should do as soon as the episode is over? <laughs> Go to our Start Engine campaign page and check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that. That was my call to action for this episode. Darn it, you stole it. But you know what? I'll definitely I'll make sure to leave a link to Carno, uh, to Start Engine campaign of Carno. So definitely you should take a look at that. And I'll also leave a link to the two episodes that I mentioned with the uh, grant writing and with the equity crowdfunding. So check those out if you're interested in them. Um, we'll wrap it up here. Thanks a lot, Todd, for coming up and for sharing your knowledge about different types of fundraising. I think that was a really, really interesting comparison between those three. So thanks a lot for sharing those and have a great day. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it.